You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. This is a vast like divide here in this section right here, and we have all of this group over here on the side. Yeah. So I'm going to be like this today, you know, uh, but that's okay. That's very good. Um, we are going to do something a little bit unique today uh, in that I'm going to share from the scriptures, obviously, here for a little bit. But then we're going to talk to you about Life Church. David and I both are going to talk to you uh, from our hearts about Life Church and sort of the state of Life Church. Um, let's go back for just a moment and let's rehearse last Sunday. We started in the book of Nehemiah last Sunday. You were challenged to live out of, in essence, a broken heart, you know, that, that you could see the brokenness of the world around you and you could see the effect of sin in the world around you and that it could literally have an impact on you. It could have an effect on you and that is that you could be broken over this. You know, we as a church, we never want to be hard to the devastation of sin. You never want to be saved so long that you forget what it's like to be a sinner. And, and that you are capable of having this, this wonderful compassion that moves you to hear God when He is putting it on your heart to act uh, towards others uh, differently than what the world would act. Um, Nehemiah was a Jewish man. Uh, he lived uh, in the Persian city of Susa. Uh, he was a cupbearer to the king, as we talked about last week. Uh, and he's the author of this book of the Bible that we are studying from right now. I gave you quite a, a little f- very fast synopsis historically last week. Let's, let's recap that just a little bit in, in, in the sense of putting it on a timeline here. Um, as we look at Nehemiah and his life and we back it up, we're going to see that this, is a, this that we're reading about, this that we're trying to make application to our own lives today in the Life Church about, uh, happens about um, a thousand years after Moses tells God's people uh, uh, that, that they can come out of slavery and he literally leads them out of slavery. And it's, it's just under 600 years after David defeats Goliath, all right? Now, the reason that's important is because in that particular period of time is when Jerusalem becomes a holy city. And um, it was a special place for God. It was a place that God chose to dwell among his people. And, and later, David's son Solomon built the temple. And uh, uh, there was this worship that was happening, worship to God uh, in Jerusalem. And it was a very powerful experience for the people of Israel uh, coming in and going out of this city. All right. Uh, Nehemiah's time is about 160 years after Daniel uh, was exiled into Babylon, all right? So it's after David and Solomon and the people's sins and the wickedness of, of these different kings bring about God's judgment. The kingdom is divided here. Remember, we talked about the northern ten tribes of Israel were exiled. Um, and eventually, the same kind of thing happened to the southern tribes as well, Judah and Benjamin and so forth. Uh, but, but Judah was attacked by the Babylonians, and, uh, and many of the Israelites were exiled into Babylon. But Jerusalem wasn't destroyed at that particular time, all right? Then about 140 years before this, Jeremiah prophesied. This is when Jeremiah rose up as a prophet, began to speak the word of God. But he prophesied a difficult prophecy. And he prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem, mainly because God's people would not forsake their wickedness. So the people of, of Israel were bringing this upon themselves. But God used the Babylonians to literally level the city of Jerusalem. By this point, uh, the judgment had come. Uh, so there was a lot of burning. They toppled the walls. They destroyed the temple. They, they tore down w- areas of the walls around the city. And, but they burned the gates, the entryways into the city. They burned them down. So the city is like totally vulnerable. It's like anybody could come in. Any, any, any enemy could attack from any direction, anywhere. And so they're, they're totally vulnerable here, all right? About 33 years before this particular event here, um, Esther is made queen over Persia. And it's quite possible that, that Nehemiah's life was, was one of those that was actually saved because of what God did through Esther uh, when she became queen. 
And then just 13 years before this event here, Ezra led this second group of exiles, if you will, back into Judah, all right? And so the books of Ezra and Nehemiah basically function, we said last week, as one book. And it's a really key part of the same story. And that is Ezra tells how the temple was rebuilt. But Nehemiah shares how the city walls were rebuilt and how the fortification happened going around the city. So the theme here, what we're getting to here, looking at this historically, is that Nehemiah is teaching us a wonderful, wonderful lesson here. And that is how God works in and through the people. And this is what we want to get you to understand today in Life Church is that God works in and through the people. All right? We're not, we're not sitting around and waiting for some mystical or magical moment. We're not sitting around and looking at who we can pray for who can go and do the work. We're not living in a place of pity or smallness saying, well, we can't do very much because we're small. Matter of fact, we're going to show you today just how much we can do. We're not looking to someone else and saying, they're bigger, they're better, they have more, so we just need to let them do it. And we'll just pray for them. So we'll just, we'll just relegate ourselves to some mystical experience and we'll just be hyper-spiritual people who only pray and we just only intercede and we just, we just have this sort of soaking experience with God. That is a wonderful thing to do, but not forever. We need to experience the presence of God. We need to experience the mystical aspects of God. We need to jump into the mystery of God. Only to jump out and say, here am I, send me. Because we have had a literal dynamic encounter somehow with God. So my intent and my purpose always is to pray that you will have your own sort of personal epiphany, maybe even more than one, and that it will change you, it will transform you, it will dramatically make a difference in your life. And some of that comes about when you and I begin to seek the face of God. And I think that's what we see here in Nehemiah, is we see a man who... Who, he cared for his brothers. He cared for his holy city. He had, he had, but, but there was a lot that had happened over a number of years. And this wasn't Nehemiah's first understanding of the devastation of Jerusalem. He, he, he knew about this for 13, 14 years of time. He knew that this city had been devastated. But suddenly something is happening. Suddenly Nehemiah is listening Suddenly he hears at a different frequency than he had heard the last 14 years. Something is going on and Nehemiah is feeling this thing down inside of him. Something is brooding inside of this man and suddenly compassion is rising up in him. A compassion he's not known before. A compassion that says, you know what, I'm willing if it requires it to move out of my comfortable place to a very difficult place. In order to see the purposes of God fulfilled. And to see my brothers capable of once again worshiping their living God. And so he, Nehemiah, begins to fast. And he begins to pray. And when Nehemiah fasts and Nehemiah prays, God moves. Now, please understand something here, folks. God didn't start to move when Nehemiah began to fast and pray. You will never manipulate the living God. No matter how noble your purposes may be, and no matter how religious your actions may appear, There isn't enough prayer and fasting in the world that you're going to force God to do something. He is sovereign. And the reality is, if we're looking at this story appropriately, God was afoot. God was moving before Nehemiah began to fast and pray. God moved before Nehemiah moved. And already he was at work 
But Nehemiah began to tap into this work of God because God was drawing this man. And so he began to, to hear and he began to feel this compassion and this desire for his people and for the holy city of Jerusalem. And as he did that, God laid it on his heart to seek him so that he might understand what he might do. And God began to move in that. And so Nehemiah goes to the king, as we read in the story today. Nehemiah goes to the king. And here's the thing. In that, in that story that David read to you from Nehemiah, and Nehemiah at one point said, I was afraid. Why was he afraid? He wasn't supposed to go to the king sad. You don't go to the king in a sad countenance. You go to the king happy, even if you're not. Your, your job is to make the king feel good. <laughs> and so he was at risk. He could have lost his life over this thing. But he was true to himself. And the king says, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? Not seeing you like this. This isn't the way you are because you're not sick. You're, you're not physically afflicted in some way here. But there's a sadness about you. And it says that, that Nehemiah spoke to God. He, prayed he came back to the king and he said here let me let me tell you what's going on why wouldn't i be sad these are my brothers this is my holy city this is where we worship our god and it's broken down it's devastated and this is where i left you last week can we get can we get broken over the brokenness can we become broken about what we see around us? Can we look at people and stop judging them and, and stop pointing fingers at them and stop being religious around them and look at them and understand that they are in a place of ruin and devastation and that we have a God of life and this God wants more than anything to bring restoration and healing and hope into people's lives. And guess what? He's called us to do that. But here's the amazing thing. Nehemiah wasn't sure what to do or what he could do. He didn't have his full strategy, yet he just knew he had to do something. He was a lot like Isaiah. He had gotten a vision. He had gotten a revelation, but not just of something out there, but him up there. And that revelation put in his heart a desire to do something. And that is my prayer for you and I, is that we have such an encounter with God that we cannot but do something. We have to do something. We have to say, here I am, send me. And not put stipulations on that request. But surrender ourselves wholeheartedly that we're going to go wherever he tells us to go. We're going to do whatever he tells us to do. And we're going to pay whatever price he asks us to pay. Only then are we fully offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable act of worship. And so we find Nehemiah here in this place, in this story today, and he begins to, to, to talk to the king. And he begins to ask of the king special privilege. And I think we have the right and the privilege, not because we can demand it of God, but because we are his. Because we are his possession, we have the right and the privilege to ask things of our God. And we have the right to make requests of him. And we have the right to put ourselves in that position of, of, of asking him to, to, to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. And that is, that is really one of the major mantras of Life Church. We want to be blessed in order that we can bless others. And so we have Nehemiah here in this place. And God begins to bless him as he moves out. There is initial blessing from the king, but God also blesses him as he moves out. And, and we, I, want to, I want to hold us right there for a little while in that place. Because today I want to talk to you about Life Church and what God has done and how God has blessed us. I want, I want to talk to you about where maybe we think we will be going. Knowing full well that the, the fuller disclosure is yet to come because it is in your hands. As you fast and as you pray and as you seek God over these 21 days... The intent is that you're asking God not only what you might do, but what Life Church might do. And what we might do together. And that is what your synopsis is going to entail. And some of you have already been asking, some of you have already been talking, and some of you have already been complaining and murmuring and doing all kinds of things in the most joyful kind of way uh, about this prayer and this fasting thing. 
And some of you are very concerned because what is happening to you is that God is working on your heart and dealing with some very personal issues in your life and working through that with you in this prayer and fasting time. And you're feeling very uh, uh, diseased over that because you were expecting that God was going to talk to you about Life Church and help you understand the vision of Life Church and where it's going. That will happen in time. But God is systematic in this thing, and He's going to take care of your heart before He talks to you about the heart of Life Church or His heart for Life Church. And so, if all you do in these 21 days is work on your own heart, hallelujah, that is a great thing. And I hope that you will journal some of that. And even though the synopsis page will have a place for your name, if if you don't want to put it down there, you don't have to. But tell us what God is speaking to your heart. Because sin is not specific to one person. We all grapple and struggle with the issues of sin in this earth. And I want to know what God is speaking to you. Because you are a part of the heart of Life Church. And so as God is dealing with your sin, we want to be able to talk about, in a very healthy way, the sin of Life Church. What, is some, what are some of the sins that are in this church that we're dealing with and we're struggling with? Because we need strategies and ways out of that. Because some of those are the burnt gates that we want to deal with. So we're going to deal with the sin gate, all right? We're going to work on the sin gate as we go forward. There are other gates that we're going to work on. And we're, going to, we're going to name them. We're going to talk about them. But here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to camp you right here in this place where Nehemiah understands and sees that God has been good to him. Because this is what he says to the people. It's what David read to you. He said to them in the, in the end of this particular chapter, he, he, says, he replies to them and says, The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and build. That's what he told the enemy. Our God will make us prosper. Just before that, he had spoken to the people and said, I want you to understand the good hand of our God and what he has done. And as they got a revelation of the good hand of God, they said, let's rise up and build. So this morning, David and I want to build your faith. We want to talk to you about Life Church, and, and I'm going to do it in, in this kind of way. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a State of the Union message today, all right? We're going to call it the State of the Church, all right? Now, the State of the Union is an address that's presented by the President of the United States to a joint session of, of, of the United States Congress. It's typically uh, delivered annually, like every January, February period of time. Now, now, this address not only reports on the, the, the condition of the nation, if you will, but it also allows a president, if he is so inclined, to outline, and they tend to be inclined, uh, to outline their personal sort of like legislative agenda, their initiatives, the things that they want to like get through or, or accomplish, all right? Uh, and, and many of those things, they will need the cooperation of Congress to be able to do that, right? So, so he's, he's trying to get Congress on board with him, and, and he, so he's trying to make these national priorities. Well, well we, we want to report to you today, David and I do, and we want to report to you on the condition of Life Church. Uh, but we also want to outline some of our sort of priorities, our, our sort of vision and, and what we think about Life Church and where we want to see Life Church go. And we're not ignorant boys. We understand that we can't do this without you. You are the key to this work being done. And so we really feel it very important to talk to you about it, okay? Um, now, now, this address, it, it fulfills some rules that are in the Constitution of the United States, which requires a president to periodically give Congress sort of like an, an informational report, if you will, uh, which used to be the state, uh, the report of the state. Now it's the, the state of the union, all right? And the, all these recommendations are in there, all right? Now, although not required by, by uh, the Constitution of Life Church, we feel it's really, really important that we inform you of these things, all right? That we 
we share our hearts with you and, 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 and that we talk about some of these issues and because these are, are issues that are going to require decisions that we feel are very necessary, very expedient for Life Church. And so we want to, to bring this to the table before you're done fasting and praying. It would be horrible to have you go through 21 days of agony and seek God and give up stuff. And then at the end of that, you give us your synopsis, and then we come back and say, well, here's our idea. It wouldn't, that wouldn't go over very well, would it? And it's not supposed to, all right? We're in this together, guys. We're, we're, we're all in this as a church together. During most of the, the early part of our country's growth, the president primarily just submitted a sort of a written report to Congress, and, and, and it wasn't made public, but with the advent of radio and television and all that, it's now live broadcast. Now, David and I submit this sort of information that we're giving to you today uh, to our elders in a, in a monthly meeting, uh, but we're coming to you live today with our assessments of Life Church. all right? You're getting it in real time, all right? And, and usually when this practice is done by the president, uh, it... it it, it is aired on television and everything else is preempted. Uh, and it's usually done like after 9 o'clock at night so they can get the, the largest audience and all of that. Well, we are preempting the regular programming of Life Church today in order that we can take this time, which is sermon time, and you all know I don't give up this pulpit very easily. But we are going to bring this to you today because Sunday morning is the very best time to do that and to have you here with us, all right? So even though this is not something that is required by us, we very, very, very much feel uh, like we want to give this information to you to communicate these things uh, so that we're not just communicating them to the elders, but, but we want this to become sort of like a regular platform uh, for us in this kind of group setting to share with you, all right? Um, we think this is that important. We think it's, it's that needful uh, for you. And, and we want as many of you as possible to understand our hearts. So with that, I'm going to invite Pastor Dave to come up to the, the, the table here and, and join me. Uh, we're going to take you through what we believe and feel is the state of Life Church. This is how we see Life Church uh, very honestly. Uh, now, some of this is reporting. We're just going to report some things to you. Uh, some of this is vision casting. We're going to try to help you see the, the vision more of Life Church. Um, and some of this is just testimonial to the greatness of, of God's good hand at work in Life Church, just like Nehemiah did for uh, the Israelites. And the purpose of that, though, is not just so you go, yay, well, look at God. That's good. We love Jesus, too. Uh, it's so that, that you and I get up and do something for God that we are very, very intentional as we are going forward, okay? So if you will, just kind of sit back and relax and uh, let us take you through a little bit of Life Church 2014. Uh, this is the state of our church as we see it. And I think you're going to really be able to rejoice as you see what God has done, okay? So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to ask David to start. I've broken this up into three sort of components, if you will, all right? And the first is the financial state of Life Church. We want to tell you about Life Church and where we're at financially and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you're just going to love this, all right? I'm not asking you for a penny today, all right? Not one silver dime, nothing. We're just going to tell you how good God has been to Life Church. And then after that, we're going to talk about the, the missional state of Life Church. And you know that's my heart. I love talking about what Life Church is actually doing. And this is where I think you're going to see how much a small church can do. And it's, I hope it inspires you that we can even do more. And then we want to wrap it up by talking to you a little bit about the spiritual state of Life Church. And this is where you all really come in because this is about the care of your soul as one who is being discipled inside of Life Church. All right? So I'm going to give it to David now and let him just, he, he takes care, by the way. He, I, I like to keep my hands off the money. I don't like to have my hand going through it. So the elders count your tithes and your offerings and they log all of that stuff up. And David takes care of paying a lot of the bills. He's much better at those administrative kind of things that, than I am. That's not my gift. He does a fabulous job of that. And so I ask him to kind of break this out and he, he did some nice stuff for you. Uh, so let's let him just talk to you for a little while about the financial state of Life Church. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. He keeps his hands off your money, and I have my hands all over it. <laughs> so, no, 
And, um, and they said, this would be a tremendous blessing if you could buy one of these machines. And so as a church, we did. And we're, we're looking at further ways that we can partner with them to bring medical care to this community on a regular, even weekly basis. Um, the community garden, which, like I said in the announcements, this has been something that came out of our last family meeting. Um, Pastor Bill and I were dead against it. Uh, we thought it was a terrible idea. And uh, it's been one of the best ideas. That This is just a great example of why we meet together as a congregation and, and why Pastor Bill and I don't just meet and decide the way the church should go. Because we've all been given different gifts. We all have different insights. And this has been a tremendous blessing for the congregation and for this community. Jack, how many truckloads of vegetables do we give away this, this year? Yep. End of July. Every week, a truckload of vegetables, and so many, so many people that have been through this church or have come to an event have said, boy, that vegetable, the produce giveaway has just been such a blessing. And so God has really used that, and, uh, and it's been another great blessing. That's been, uh, we only spent $500, and that was just to get some pumps uh, uh, for the garden. Of course, Jack puts in a ton of time. Many of you put in a ton of time, so there's other costs and, um, and giving that goes into this, but we're just looking at dollar amounts right now and, and where those things go. Um, neighborhood outreaches. We spent uh, right in the neighborhood of $1,800 on our neighborhood outreaches, our summer outreach, and then our fall harvest festival um, that goes to buying the inflatables, the food, um, the, the things for the games. And, of course, we did many dramas and puppet skits this year that really helped get the gospel into these events, which we were so happy with. We felt like this was the best year by far of our neighborhood outreaches, and, and they keep getting better and more and more thought and more and more planning and more and more of your gifts and influence go into them. Um, so that's another great thing uh, that happened this year. Uh, we gave $118 to the Bishop Dudley House, uh, that's a new ecumenical ministry starting up in Sioux Falls that's just being launched. And uh, so we gave just kind of a beginning offering gift to them. Um, the adoption fund, uh, this is the biggest piece of the pie, um, which I feel kind of strange about because we're the only ones adopting. But this includes two <laughs> rummage sales, okay? So, so you guys gave a ton of stuff that could be sold on rummage sales. And Jane and I have an excellent location uh, in the Kingswood area. And we did two rummage sales this year, uh, which, by God's grace, I am happy to announce our adoption is fully funded. And so uh, you have been such, such a wonderful, tremendous support. Um, we received one last grant this fall, and that put us at our fully funded limit. And so now uh, someone else needs to decide to adopt, and we'll get started on your adoption. All right? Uh, but um, you, besides giving to the rummage sale, many of you gave just sacrificially and generously to the adoption fund just straight out of your own pocket. We're so grateful for that. It just means the world to us, and we can't wait to go back to Ghana to pick up Dottam and bring her home to be here with us. Um, first priority, and we had John Glasser and his team come a couple of weeks ago to talk a little bit about student ministry in Sioux Falls and the opportunity to mentor but we also gave a bit financially. We helped bring in the Desperation Band um, in the early fall uh, to, um, uh, they met at, I uh, can't remember which church, oh, First Assembly. They met at First Assembly and, and had this night of desperation where we, where we sought God and prayed and worshiped together as a bunch of student ministries in town. And uh, First Priority is a ministry that we love to support um, both with staff volunteers and with finances because uh, they are seeking to get the Gospels into the school and to plug churches in with opportunities to be on the campuses and reach kids where they are. Um, so that's an awesome opportunity there as well. Um, I, I kind of broke down our giving into localized giving and international giving. And so um, it doesn't break it down in the pie chart, but I have it on my sheet uh, as broken down. So let's talk about international giving for a moment. Um, Swaziland, uh, our, our water project was completed actually in March. We gave a la the last gift, which was about $2,900 to polish off our water project, which uh, is being completed as we speak. Uh, they're still connecting uh, pipelines. It's about 66% done. Um, by the time it's 100% done, uh, all 3,200 households will have a spigot of water right on their yard. 
when they used to spend six hours a day walking to get water they shared with cattle. Uh, a pretty incredible, incredible impact. You all are, have changed the lives of thousands of children, literally 5,000 children in this community forever. Um, and all their children and their children's children. Uh, because this water project isn't going away. It's, it's well done. It's state of the art. And, um, and you have done it. It gave like crazy uh, this past year and, and, of course, in 2013 as well. Um, so the Water Project combined with our sponsorships, we gave $4,692.50. Um, we also did some short-term missions giving. Um, Pastor Bill took a, a trip to Brazil. Uh, like I mentioned, Jeannie and Alicia are going to India. Um, where else have we gone? Those are the only two trips this year. Okay. Um, so our short-term missions giving came to $2,620. Um, we're also giving a little bit to long-term missionaries when they're in town. Um, and Pastor Bill will talk a little bit more about that. Uh, that totaled about $400 um, and some change as well. Uh, and then uh, the Kinder Paradise Shoe Project is another international uh, giving thing that you did. You paid for uh, all 88 children to have a brand-new pair of sandals. And so we have all... 88 pairs and, and then some at our house. We have a whole room full of shoes now. And uh, they're ready to go to Ghana whenever we get word that we can go. Uh, you paid $1,550 for that. So the grand total of all this giving this year came to $30,788.32. So praise the Lord. Amen. Um, now, as we endeavored to use God's blessing faithfully this past year, he only gave us more. Uh, which is a principle in the Bible as well, that as you are faithful with little, uh, he gives you more. And that's something that we found to be true this past year. And so uh, this was true in a number of areas. It wasn't just true financially, but let's talk about Life Church finances for just one moment. Uh, going into uh, 2014, one of our financial goals was that we would pay off the mortgage of this, of this building and the land. So we, we own this land and, and this building and then the land to the east as well. And one of our goals in 2014 that we thought was reasonable was said, let's get out of debt and so we're in position to do something as a church, whatever God asks us to do. We just don't want to be chained by debt anymore. And um, praise God, I'm happy to announce that as of a week ago, this church is completely debt-free, owns that land, this building, and that to the east. So, yes, God enabled us to, to make that goal a reality. Um, and while it's been a tremendous blessing to see our mortgage paid off, God's generosity to this church did not stop there. Um, over the holidays, uh, we received um, a great financial gift um, of $310,000, okay, um, from an outside couple of donors, so these are not people that go to Life Church, just people that believe in, in you as Life Church and believe in the mission of this church and want to see this ministry expand. So these people gave these gifts specifically because they want to see us build and expand this ministry. And so, um, you know, we, we receive this incredible gift, and, and that comes on top of us. Uh, you know, Pastor Bill and I were talking, I think, before this, this gift was given that we um, really need to seek and pray the Lord because we're in this incredible financial position already uh, where we said we, we've had the best financial year we've ever had and we're looking to pay off the mortgage and we think God really wants to do something significant here. And, and then we got this gift. And so now we find ourselves in this position of being completely debt-free and having $350,000, uh, which is currently in an investment fund that goes to help build churches. So we get a little bit of interest um, and it goes to help other churches uh, fund building projects and things like that. But we have $350,000 now as a church and are completely debt-free and ready to do whatever God tells us to do with that. Let us just parallel that, like in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a great compassion and a heart for his people, and so he sought God, and he began to fast and pray. And then God began to bless. God gave him letters through the king. He happened to be the cupbearer, so he had the connections and the networking necessary uh, so that he could go. And as he went, God blessed him not only with financial you know, blessings, but also uh, unified the people to, to do the work. But, but let's keep our mind on the financial blessing for just a moment because I want you to understand something about God and about what's happening in Life Church. 
when we called you to, when, yeah, when we called you to 21 days of prayer and fasting, asking you for direction, we had no gifts. These things were not in our hands. We were not holding resources. Uh, our mortgage was not paid off. We started to fast and pray to ask God for direction. And one of the first things God did, much like he did with Nehemiah, was to bless us. And he made provision for us in order. Now, Nehemiah understood where he was going. We don't know where we're going. Okay? Uh, So he had a little bit of an edge on us. But what we do know is that God is at work. All right? And he is doing something. And so what David is saying to you is that it is even more essential now that we fast and pray because God has shown us that he is intentional and that he intends to use Life Church to have an impact in the world. All right? So this is, this is a powerful parallel here. And so, honestly, for the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I had a whole different plan, in ter- especially in terms of where I was going to be in the Scriptures with you and where I was going to take you from. In, and it was in the Old Testament, but I was going to move you from there into the New Testament, and we were going to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, Nehemiah came up only because God began to reveal to us how that, that there is such an amazing parallel here and what he's doing. And so then now we're taking you through Nehemiah as a result of that. But the Spirit of God is moving. I want you to get that. The Spirit of God is moving in a powerful way here. Absolutely. And, and you know, some churches, they get a big gift, and um, it comes as sort of life support, you know, and, and to keep them yeah. afloat. And this has not been the scenario. Uh, like I said, Pastor Bill and I just finished talking about how good the Lord has been, and uh, I just finished totaling up the figures, and our, our monthly budget is actually uh, monthly $4,000 less than what we average bringing in for revenue. Um, so we average, we're, we're living in the black by about $50,000 a year, and, and that's how we're able to be generous and to give is because you all are generous givers, and we're being the best possible stewards with the finances that God has blessed us with, and now really praying and seeking him because we know this principle is true. God doesn't bless us just for us to sit here and say, well, now Amen. let's build something really fancy and nice and let's get new stuff and, and have really cool things and stuff. God blesses us because he's intent on us being a blessing. He has something for us to do. And so when Pastor Bill and I got word of this, we didn't say, well, awesome, now we can get this and this and now we can finally have a nice building or whatever. But we said, well, what is God wanting us to do? Um, you know, Our heart is to be a blessing with all that the Lord has given us and to be faithful with what he's entrusted to us. If if we've been faithful with little, he's given us more. And now the challenge, the the deal is that we pray and fast that he would make us faithful with more, which is a big thing to do. It's a big entrustment. Uh, It's a heavy thing. And that's why this time of prayer and fasting is so important. So those are a little bit about Life Church finances. Feel free to ask me any other questions you have about them. Um, But now we're going to go into the missions unless you have something else. I don't. Any questions, direct them directly to Pastor Dave, and he will answer all of your questions very succinctly and with facts and figures. All right? missional state this is this is the heartbeat of life church folks this is where we are and i want to go through this fast because we're running out of time all right but i want you to see it it's really important that you understand the volume the magnitude of the impact of life church david and i often talk about and uh, uh he he's good at asking questions uh, in, in the office. I hate them, uh, but he asked them anyway. Uh, but he's always trying to get me to think about things, you know. Um, but one of the, the questions that, that kind of gets popped around in our office is, you know, if something happened to Life Church, would, it, would anybody notice? Would, would, would there be anybody or, or would the city uh, feel the impact of our loss? Things like that. And, and we would like to say that, yes, that we would be missed that because there are things that life church is doing but the reality is we may be missed more overseas i don't know than we would be locally because that's the reach our reach is very global it it, it's it's very extensive um and so let me just take you through these things these are things that are ongoing in life church these are things that we're going to continue to do now nehemiah is 
already in Jerusalem. He has been before the king. The king has favored him and given him blessing. He is bringing an abundance of resources with him to do whatever he needs to do. But he doesn't know for sure exactly what he needs to do. He knows he's on a mission of restoration. All right? But he doesn't know what that is exactly. And so it requires of him that in the night, the story says, that he went from gate to gate with just a handful of people uh, in order to make assessments to see what might need to be done and how he was going to go about this work of restoration. Um, and there was where he saw the devastation. There was where he saw what needed to be done and was able to begin to develop the strategy for the rebuilding of the walls. I I want us to be able to look at Life Church in a very positive and yet a, a, a very uh, critical sort of way to say, okay, is what Life Church is doing fulfilling its mission and its vision? Uh, because if it isn't, then we've got to move to something else that does. You know, that's, that's our whole key is that we are a blessing to others because we believe because we are fulfilling the, the vision and the mission of Life Church. And that is that we're going to make disciples here and in the rest of the world as well. And that's how we glorify God, is by making disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. That is our mission statement, okay? Um, so here are the kind of things that we're doing. We're going to talk to you just a little bit as we run through them about them, okay? Outreaches, David referred to them in the financials. We have two outreaches a year. We have a summer outreach and a fall outreach. These are amazing times and opportunities for us to get to know people in the neighborhood. It allows all of us to, to get together and do something in a unified way. It gets our name out into the neighborhood a bit more. Uh, hopefully it brings the gospel, and we've been trying more and more to, to tailor these outreaches so that there is a strong gospel message being presented in every one of them. And we think that we're starting to do that pretty well, all right? But how do we do it better? How do we outreach the neighborhood? How do we outreach the city? How do we outreach beyond, whether that's in Brazil or in India or wherever? Uh, so we want to be able to look at this and through our time of prayer and fasting discern what is it God would want us to do as we continue to outreach into the community. The second thing on the list is puppetry. This is something that has been birthed only in the last uh, outreach that we did. Uh, actually, it sort of it sort of got birthed in the summer. Um, David and I felt some really travailing pains over that one. Uh, but uh, but it, it started, but we really did a much, much better job uh, in the fall outreach with our puppetry. But here's why we bring this up. Puppetry is something that, number one, requires an expense, which, uh, by the way, is an ama- it's amazing. There are things that you guys just don't see day to day that we see that are such blessings and such affirmations from God. And when we were getting ready to do the outreach, uh, I had a, a group come and pray in the church outside people they were praying and one of the ladies asked what the the, the the puppet stage was and what we were doing and explained to her all of that and and at the end of our our prayer time together she just opened her checkbook and wrote a check for what was a thousand dollars i think and said here this will help you with your outreach uh now you'll notice that we received abundantly above and beyond uh really uh from people for for the outreaches than what was required of us. A lot of that happens because you give as well, all right? So you're giving financially to the outreaches. You're helping in the outreaches. Puppetry, we, could, we would love to have some people help us because this is an area uh, that enhances our communication of the gospel. We're able to share the gospel in more ways if we utilize puppetry. And there's a tremendous ethnic attraction. A lot of people of ethnicity, love, especially children, love puppetry and pageantry and those sorts of things. And so this is a really cool and wonderful way to reach out into the ethnicities in our neighborhood. So we would love to continue to develop this. It's going to require a number of you to say, yes, God, here I am. Use me. I will be one of those people who will help with puppetry or I will give to that ministry. Um, David talked about the neighborhood meals. We do that every month. We started out doing helping them every week. They saw the value that, that we placed on the, the outreach and the quality of ministry we gave and they literally and churches don't do this folks they gave us a, a night they said hey why don't you just take a week matter of fact since then they've asked us to take more than one week and, and we had to decline because we don't have enough uh people and resources and 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 times for to do that on a regular basis we just can't commit we don't want to over promise and under deliver in any area okay so we're staying with once a month right now 
there is a possibility that this particular ministry will at some point uh, stop existing. But right now, we're committed to it, uh, at least in the first part of this year. Um, and this is a good ministry for us in the sense that it gives us a presence in the neighborhood. It's ecumenical. We're working with a church very different from our church uh, in a lot of ways, but yet a wonderful group of people. It unifies you as lifers. You get to, to work together more and get to know each other more, so it builds relationship as well that way. This is a very good thing that way. The only downturn for us, in our opinion, is that it's very difficult to share the gospel. We haven't found a good way of sharing the gospel when we are feeding uh, Uh, these people at First Christian. And so we want very much to try to tweak that if that is possible to do. The neighborhood garden is another area where it is absolutely a success story. And David's right. He and I both were adamantly against it. I fought it, didn't want it. Um, I was almost ugly about it. Um, and, 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 and you are relentless, praise the Lord, okay? Um, and, uh, and, and we heard God. Now, what you were offering or thinking that we were going to do was to put something out here on our property and have a little garden here. And this is just amazing because God just has such bigger vision than we do oftentimes. And it just took my resistance, I think, was, was really helping me to clarify. But when I saw it, I jumped on board, and that was, no, we're supposed to have a really big garden, and the only answer to that is Jack Devaney. And we approached him, and I was almost hoping that he was going to say, no, you can't have my farm. But he gave us his farm. Um, and so now we have a farm. We don't just have a garden. We have a farm out there, and it's, it's huge. And, and it's, it, we're doing great stuff by sharing. And there are testimonies of people who are in this church today because they came right out of prison and had no money and no food, and that was the first place they came to to get some food was our free outreach of vegetables on the, on the corner. And, uh, and out of that came into this church uh, and, and fell in love with Life Church and the people of Life Church. So it's a wonderful thing that way. I think there's more ways for us to look at sharing the gospel through the garden outreach as well. And that's something we need to look at as a church, how we might be able to, to do that. Nothing short of, say, having a puppet show out there uh, uh, on the corner. Uh, free puppets and free vegetables. I don't know, but we can do something, okay? Um, short-term missions uh, ministry, I think, is a is, is really an important part of life church it always has been in years past we did tons of it um, it waned for a season and it's starting to come back um, and we have people who are who are very uh, much actively involved now in trying to make this happen Andrew Carmony uh, can speak to any of you about the plans for outreach and there are some coming up um, and, and they they range from something that's self-initiated like like Jeannie and Alicia are doing they initiated this but Andrew and I helped them to get everything together so that they can go and it can be really successful for them or they can be church guided where we as a church put them together and offer them to you as a group and you can come on board and and do these these things are happening in india uh in brazil and there's possibilities now for uganda as well is that right uganda um to to be able to to do something like this and there could be others if some if god lays them on your hearts as well um, we want to help missionaries. We don't, as a church, uh, support financially missionaries with like a line item on our budget and say we're going to give X number of dollars to a missionary. But you all are helping in this church. Many of you are giving a lot of money to Daniel and Carla Grins in China. You're giving a lot of money to Matt and Rachel Adams uh, in Uganda. And, and some of you are giving to others that we don't even know about. So we very much encourage that, that you are helping them. And the church does help them in, in little ways along the way way, all right? Uh, but the, the greatest amount of that work is happening through your giving individually to them. Uh, we also have the Life Ministry Center, uh, which in, in some ways may be still considered a little bit embryonic, but it's something that is happening, and I think it's a great part of Life Church, um, and, and that is we have an outreach through counseling services, and Jan Schmidt is our resident counselor, um, and uh, she offices right out of this building. Life Church provides that office for her, and, uh, and we allow her the, the use of our facility. Um, and so she is available to people for counseling, and people from all over our community come in for that type of counseling with her. And so this is a wonderful, wonderful part of Life Church. Um, 
David talked about first priority. Why do we support first priority? Because that is an organization that reaches students that we may reach in our neighborhood. They reach a number of students that we will find right here in this particular area of the city. Uh, That's also true of Destiny Clinic. That's another reason we came along beside them is because their downtown site actually uh, ministers medically to the people who are uh, local in this particular neighborhood that our church is in. So we are co-laboring with them, if you will, uh, in this part of the city. And they take care of a lot of the homeless and transient people in that facility in the downtown area. So we want to be there helping them. Uh, David talked about global projects, things like Swaziland Water Project. Uh, We are reaching out to orphanages. Uh, These are all things that they come as God puts them in our heart. We're not looking for something to do just to be doing something. Uh, We want to be better stewards of God's money than that. But you all have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes to see the world around you. And so we're open to what God might speak to any of us about what we need to do to help those, especially those who are widows and orphans, uh, and, and to make this a real part of our heartbeat, uh, the way that God wants to, to touch those people. Um, another area that we haven't talked a lot about in Life Church in the past, but that we hope to to look at and we need your help and your advice on is building and grounds. We've been in this building for quite a while. Um, We've not done any major work here uh, on this facility other than we gave you air conditioning. Uh, and and, and we, we put this system in here, which has been a wonderful, wonderful asset. And, uh, and we, we put up these walls here and softened up the room a little bit uh, for, for you and got this all painted, all right? It was a youth center. Now it's a, it's, it's a, a, a sanctuary, all right? Um, but here's the thing. We have found out, for instance, that in our, our outreaches, especially the October outreach, by the time the kids are, are coming over, it's getting dark outside, um, drive by this building some night when you're in town and just look at it in the dark, okay? Uh, it's not the most inviting building. Um, and we don't have a lot of lighting outside. And we don't have a lit sign. We ha- finally, we did get some signs after a few years. We, everyone used to tell us we're the best kept secret in Sioux Falls. Uh, but we weren't promoting ourselves. We didn't, we didn't feel the need to promote ourselves, you know? We just wanted to serve God and be faithful and do good things. Um, but God has, has, has helped us to understand that for the kinds of ministries that we're doing, like produce giveaways and outreaches in the summer and, and, and the harvest festival in the fall and things like that, we're going to need better lighting and better signage. And for people who are coming, looking, young families in this neighborhood who are looking for a church, they need an inviting facility to come into. And we never want to be fancy. We never want to be ostentatious. We never want to be overindulgent in any way. We want to use most of our money to reach people for for Jesus, all right? But we've got to have a good building to do that. And so we need to begin to think about and seek God about what he might have us to do. Uh, If we can't have a soup kitchen at First Christian anymore, is God speaking to Life Church to have its own soup kitchen? If that's the case, then that's got to fit into some kind of building project uh, that would go on here. Are we going to continue to grow? The city will only let us have a certain number of people, and the number's on the door at the back. And it's quite a small number. Maybe we need to increase the size of our worship area so that more people can come in. I'm expecting hundreds of college students to come to this church for the rest of their natural lives, all right? God gets them to USF and Augie so that they get over here, and then they just stay here forever until Jesus comes. Uh, so we really need to plan on expansion here, okay? Those kinds of things, all right? So that is sort of the missional side of this thing, all right? So let us talk to you just a little bit. If you will give us about five or ten more minutes, uh, we want to go through the spiritual state, and then we'll wrap this thing up with you this morning, okay? All right, let's talk about kids' ministry and student ministry. Um, Our kids' ministry is about halfway through the gospel project. Our curriculum runs three years, and we're really enjoying this curriculum because it runs all the way through the Bible, pointing the kids always to Jesus, teaching them how every story, um, all the scriptures point to this great hero, this great rescuer, Jesus. And um, so that's been a great experience. We have fabulous volunteers, a solid curriculum, and wonderful kids. So the bottom line is we are blessed. Uh, Student ministry in 2014, we saw the relaunch of our student ministry. It's called CORE, and uh, that is now middle school and high school combined. And um, 
we're treating this group that meets every other Sunday morning a lot like a life group uh, in that we, we're really discipleship-focused, and uh, we really believe here at Life Church that whatever you build your student ministry on, that's what you have to maintain it on. So if you're going to build it on entertainment, you're always going to be keeping up with Century Theaters, and I just haven't ever found a way to beat that. Um, so we're building it on discipleship, on teaching them the Bible, and praying together, and doing the kinds of things that Christians do together. Uh, we, we have a big conviction that we ought to treat students like adults. And the more you treat them like adults, the more you're surprised to find them doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. Um, and young people throughout the, the history of the Christian church have always done great things for the kingdom of God. So the more you treat them like kids and just play games and pop balloons with your butts, that, that just doesn't go very well. Uh, so, but the more you treat them like adults and say, all right, this is, this is Christianity. You need to follow Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus, this is how you do it. And we're going to teach you how to do that. And you're a part of this church, every bit as much a part of this church as anyone else. And so this church's mission and responsibility is your mission and responsibility. And so that's where we're going with our students. And uh, we love it. And we love that they're getting serious about following Jesus here in 2015. College ministry, they're the ones who pop the balloons, okay? Uh, we love our college ministry here. I want you to understand something. I am the senior pastor of Life Church. I am not a college pastor. I don't intend to become one. That's crazy to be a college pastor. I don't want to be one, all right? I just love college students, all right? I'm, I'm pastor to all of you, but I am taking a specific intentional interest in the college students because I love them so much, and I understand that they're at a most amazing juncture in their lives planning what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. And I believe that we need to create an amazing culture that is very collegiate within the context of Life Church and utilize college students because they have some amazing gifts and abilities and they can be a great asset to the life of any church. But I don't want to categorize them and box them into this is the college ministry and that's all they can be as college students and that's all they can do is go to college and we're going to lose them in three years anyway. So, oh, what the heck? No. They are amazing people, and they are very diverse, and they are actually going to go around the world and bring the gospel all over the place, and we need to be ascending church. And these are the people we're going to send. And so maybe you're going to stay here, but these students are going to go. And so it's absolutely essential that we are investing in their lives in some really significant kinds of ways. And I'm willing to do that and model that, and I'm willing to call all of you to do that as well. And let's make college ministry an unbelievable dimension of life church, all right? Um, life groups. Talk about life groups for a second. Um, life groups are a hard thing, and we've been trying for many years, and we've tried several different kinds of groups and, and different dynamics. But 2014 was our best year yet of life groups, um, and this launch in the fall has been better than we've ever experienced as far as attendance goes and, and people staying with it. Um, and, and we understand that groups take time to build chemistry because they're all about relationships and people feeling safe and comfortable to share their lives with one another. Um, but one thing that we've, that we've changed is that everybody's studying the same thing each week. So not, it's not, we, we have three groups and they don't all do different things, but they all study the same thing. And so we're getting more conversation on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. Um, and so it's, it's kind of enhanced our time together in big church on Sunday mornings which I think is fabulous, and throughout the week when we're touching base with one another. So this coming life group this week, we're talking about fasting, which should be a relevant topic, hopefully for all of us, and, and looking through the scriptures, looking at how Jesus teaches us to fast, and looking at some of the, the basis and the reasons for why we fast. And, and so praise God that he is building some strength and some um, foundation to our groups that will hopefully make them lasting, and we pray we can launch another one here in 2015. Discipleship process. This is something that we are going through uh, constantly. Uh, we've developed what we think is a good, solid process for you. It, uh, it does require some things on our part, providing you the books to read and the meetings and the, up, you know, the assessments and whatever. 
Um, th- that's all really, really important, but the initiative is really in your lap, all right, for you to move yourself along in the process. One of the things we want to do is we want to meet with you on an annual basis. We want to be able to meet with you, sit down with you, talk to you. If you've not ever had a meeting about discipleship or this discipleship process, then David and I want to meet with you. We want to first meet with you and, and make that assessment with you, but then after that, one of the elders or a couple of the elders will meet with you uh, consistently through through your walk to just check up on you and see how you're doing and how you're moving along in the process. Uh, Any of us can slow down or stall uh, very easily in our spiritual walk, and we don't want to have that happening any more than necessary, okay? So we're always going to be looking at how do we move you, how do we, 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 God loves you too much to leave you in the same place all the time. Uh, he wants you growing and becoming more like Jesus all the time. And so that's a very, very important thing. Uh, so we want the, the, the discipleship process to be a part of your spiritual life in Life Church. We don't want you in here and not participating in this. So we're going to not only encourage it, but we're going to push it on you, okay, that you will, you will let us help you uh, to, to grow. We want you to become a, a solid disciple because we need you to make disciples. And that's, that's the way it works, okay? There are four other aspects here of our spiritual state that I want to kind of group together, and that is prayer, ministry, worship, elders, and preaching and teaching. A lot of these things are things that happen very much on Sunday morning. Um, we, we want very much to be able to pray with you. We, we also want other prayer opportunities as well. There's Harp and Bowl on Monday nights that meets and people pray and worship together. It's a wonderful time if you want to come and just be one of those soakers. You can do that here. Or you can get involved in the prayer process or on the praise team. Uh, uh, Charity has done an excellent job of leading our praise and worship. And she and Nathan have put together a couple of meetings here and there to try to help people to get you know, in the doorway of, of either playing on the worship team or helping in some other support way. Um, Melissa does a great job, and others do too, back there in the sound booth, but we're very limited in the number of people we have in the sound booth. We'd love to have some people who are techie inclined uh, to jump up and say, hey, that's something that I can do, and I would love to be a part of that uh, and help us in, in that area. But all of that is for us to create an environment of worship, and we are uh, an audience for one, and that is God himself. This is not a performance-based church, and so our worship is not performance-based. Neither is our prayer. Neither is our discipleship. And hopefully, uh, neither is our preaching and teaching. David and I want very much to preach and teach you the gospel. Uh, We want to bring truth to you. It is our heart to bring things to you that are relevant and helpful to you and life-changing for you. We want to be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit uh, and Jesus Christ as we speak and preach and and teach to you. Uh, We're going to be adding an elder to our eldership in the very near future. We'll be announcing that next month. We're very excited to increase our eldership. Um, And I think you'll be very, very happy uh, about that. So there, there, there's so much here. I, I hope you see that. It took a lot of time. I didn't realize it would take even this much time, but we've got to stop now. But this is Life Church, what we've presented to you. This is, this is the nuts and bolts of Life Church. This is what you're a part of. And, uh, and there's opportunity for every one of you here, all right, to get involved on a deeper level and, and to do more. And it isn't just about working you. It's not, it's not about being works-based because we're not. You're saved by grace. You're saved because Jesus gave his life for you. He died for your sins, and he didn't ask you to pay anything uh, for that. He paid it all, and it's taken care of. It's done. If you don't know that you experience, if you haven't accepted Christ, you can do that today right here in just a few moments. But, but the reality is, for those of you who are followers of Christ, you need to be doers, not just hearers of the Word. So as much as we preach it to you, uh, and you hear it, that's great, but until you do it, our job is not complete. All right? So we're challenging you to, 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 to rise up. God's good hand is upon us, and we need to be about the good work of restoration in the kingdom of God. So I'm asking you as Life Church, join with us. Arise and let's build and rebuild the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, A couple of our prayer teams.